Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN. ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're here with what I'm going to call the Giants dysfunction episode. And I'm calling it that because there's so many things. There's a back and forth going on. There's so many things we're hearing about Brian Dable, the coaching staff, the Giants operation, what's true, what isn't. And look, it's coming from this corner over here, this corner over here. There's a fight over there. And me, I'm the dude that's sitting back through all this, feet up in the air, beer in hand, looking around saying, whoa. Look at this. This is interesting. Well, I'm going to give you some of my opinions on some of the stuff that I've heard and some of the things that I believe to be true and what I want to believe, what I'm willing to believe and what I'm not willing to believe. So we'll get to that in a few minutes. I'll also go over some of the defensive coordinator candidates that are out there, special team coordinator candidates that are out there. Some of the positions we'll talk real quickly about Giants having already filled, including the offensive line spot, which let's be fair might be the biggest hire of the offseason. Like you can make the argument that the offensive line hire is just as big as whoever the new defensive coordinator is. That's how important that position is because if they don't get it right, Joe Shane and Brian Dable aren't going to last very long because they're not going to figure this out. It's not going to get better. And we're going to be on year you know, 13, 14, 15 of the offensive line rebuild, which in retrospect is just absolutely ridiculous. So we'll get to all that, and I'll have a Giants after dark later. And, of course, with everything going on, a lot of the questions you guys submitted have been pertaining to the coaching staff and Brian Dable and the wing stuff. And So we'll get to that in a few minutes. But first, let me say this. And I think my point had been getting lost last week in all the minutia with the wing Martindale and Brian Dable stuff. And it still is out there. You know, there's a back and forth going on. First off, let me say this. I can't believe, like, there's a lot that's going back and forth. But I'm not going to sit here, and you shouldn't. You should go back and you should look and believe. There are those people that have insisted, that insisted that there was no tension, that there was no problems. There even was a report from the New York Post that called called it the, the, the tension between Wink and Brian Dable. Complete and utter bullshit, I believe, was the term that was used. Okay? So if you're out there, and for weeks people are out there saying, no, 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 there's nothing there. And, the, you know, the Giants employees that are out there in the media are saying, no, 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 there's nothing there. There's Everything's fine and dandy. There's people telling me behind the scenes everything's fine and dandy. And, and look, now in retrospect, when you see all the stuff that was going on, they were either A, completely clueless, or B, just completely being lied to. So it's impossible now for me to take those people seriously on this subject, okay? Because whatever you're receiving now is either more lies or you're just getting fed for to, be, to benefit someone else. So I'm not going to listen to anybody who sat there and insisted to everybody that there was, hey, please disperse. There's nothing to see here. Like the, the scene in Naked Gun and everything is blowing up behind uh, Frank Drebin. Like if, if, if those people, I can't, I can't take anything they say seriously. And those are the people, by the way, that have been slandering Drew Wilkins, who I have a hard time. I mean, I still have not found a single person 
who said a bad thing about Drew Wilkins. I'm up to talking to like seven or eight people, okay? So the idea that Drew Wilkins is the one, and I know a lot of people think he's the one out there, the Wilkins brothers spilling all the beans to people. I really don't think that's true. I don't think they talk to anybody, but let's forget that for a second. Here's my whole point from the beginning. And like I said, it got lost in the minutiae. It wasn't just Wink Martindale that I had heard that was unhappy. That's why it was all a red, this was all a red flag to me. It was Thomas McGahey. He got fired. Obviously, his special teams were not very good, okay? So we understand he gets fired. So people don't even care about that, that part of it right now, right? But he also was not especially happy. He kind of wanted out. Mike Kafka, the more I hear, and the, the more I hear, the less likely it is, and I know he's still there now, even if he doesn't get a head coaching job, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at the Giants letting him let him out and he ends up somewhere else anyway. Like he's unhappy. I had heard this weeks ago. I think I think uh two or three weeks ago I mentioned it on this pod for the first time. Cause I at that point heard it from multiple people. At this point, I'm hearing it from five, six, seven people. And now when you see the details, I mean in Pat Leonard's story, again, you can believe whatever you want. Pat Leonard, New York Daily News. He talked about how they, you know, took play calling away from him a few times, which isn't surprising because we kind of were looking at that and suggesting, hey, maybe that was going on. And I had mentioned, I had heard on multiple occasions that Kafka's deal was that Brian Dable was super suffocating. He was overly involved in the offense, if that's possible, you know, even though it's his offense, but really in a way just undercutting, completely undercutting Mike Kafka, who's the offensive coordinator. Now, the thing is, okay, all three coordinators are unhappy. There's obviously bigger problems. And, and there's something that a coach, and I'll, t- I'll say this about this coach that had said this to me. He's not on the Dable side where he came with Dable from Buffalo. He's not on the wing side where he's part of like the wing crew. He is a neutral observer in all this. And he says something to me several weeks back. He says, Dable has a tendency to make things personal. And by personal, I'm not talking about, okay, he's making comments about people's wives and families and that kind of stuff. I think that the point that was being made there was sort of what we're seeing come out and it was sort of like an offense versus defense thing. Or you're taking a dig at at me and your your side isn't doing well. That's what I think meant by personal. And the biggest thing that I make of that is, okay, how does Brian Dable fix it? Is it something that's fixable? Is it critically disabling to the point where it's going to derail his coaching career, where the Giants aren't going to be successful with the program they have set up with him as the coach. I I do think it's possible that he sees everything that's going on right now and he's able to look himself in the mirror and say, okay, we've got to make some changes here. We do. Because what we did so far, it wasn't really working because there's, I know of at least a handful of people on the coaching staff, who weren't happy or completely disliked Brian Dable this year. All right, so that's this is not healthy. It's going to be hard for you to be successful if you're undercutting the people. You need to empower your insistent coaches. So that was always my point, is that if all three coordinators are unhappy, there's something wrong going on. Now, he'll have a chance to fix it. Remember, Tom Coughlin, in 2000, going into the 2007 season, was under tremendous fire. And Brian Dabble's going to be under some heat now. The pressure's on him. But he, he, there's a good chance he goes into the season with three new coordinators. And the idea that all of a sudden, like, that doesn't hurt what the feeling is inside the organization of Brian Dable, come on. If you had to either, if you lost or had to fire all three of your coordinators by the end of year two, if that doesn't count as a check against you, or at least open eyes or make people internally 
think twice about what's going on here, then the Giants have bigger problems than Brian Dable. Because it is. It's a red flag. Now, again, I'm not saying he should be fired. He has a chance to fix it. Absolutely 100% believe that. And I think, that in a way, he, he can fix it. Now, the biggest thing that I took from all this back and forth that's going on, you know, with the, the reports from the New York Post and the New York Daily News was that, and the New York Daily News wrote their story about, you know, Brian Dable and the dysfunction that was going on. And then the New York Post basically came back with the team point of view. Don't think it even said sources in there, but we know where that came from, right? It was a team-friendly story, 100%. But what it did say, what it didn't, object to was that Joe Shane went on the, was on the headset. Now, I hadn't heard that before I read it. And that took me by surprise because that's Iowa. The general manager is on the headset during games to monitor what's going on. First of all, I've heard things over the past two years that Joe Shane is really involved. First of all, let me just explain this about the relationship that's going on here. I don't know if everybody understands this. Joe Shane and Brian Dable are tied at the hip, even more than you think because they came from the same place, they hired at the same time. They are super, super close. So everything they do is lockstep. I'm telling you, they are super close. They taught, I've never seen a general manager stand next to the head coach even so much during practice. You know, he's, he's especially early in practice. I mean, he's constantly, Joe Shane is constantly by his side in, his, in Brian Dable's ear. Or vice versa, however you want to phrase it. So now that the GM is on the headset, I mean, that's not that that's not very normal. You don't hear about that very often. And so, look, if he's overseeing stuff, it's perceived by everybody else that he's doing it to sort of see what's going on because Brian Dable told him, hey, you got to see here what's going on here. So the, it, not the other way around. So to me, that's kind of, that's a scenario to me. I, I didn't expect, to hear that, that Joe Shane was on the headset for multiple games, listening to what's going on with the coaches. Basically, he was evaluating the coaching staff to evaluate what kind of changes they thought they needed this offseason. That's how I take it. So if that part of it's true, and look, I don't know definitively if the part about Joe Shane being on the headset is true. I really don't. I hadn't heard about it before I read about it. I haven't asked about it. But if it is, that's, that's an indictment a little bit on the whole operation. And would have me a little concerned. Now, again, I think these are things that they can fix. It's not critical to the point of, all right, they're doomed. It's over. They have no chance of success. This regime led by Joe Shane and Brian Dable. I do think it's all probably salvageable. But changes clearly have to be made. And if all three coordinators were unhappy, and I'm leaning toward the fact that everybody keeps telling me, yo, Mike Kafka's going to be gone, he's going to be gone, he's going to be gone. I must have heard it from five different people in the last couple of days. So I'm basically working on the, opera- uh, on the assumption that there's going to be three new coordinators. You have to wonder, okay, what are they going to do, I'm talking about Brian Dable and Joe Shane, to change how the operation is run. And those changes, whatever they may be, whether it's just simply how Dable treats his coaches, whether it's uh, the chain of command, whatever it is, it's going to be, that's going to be the biggest, what, the biggest thing this offseason that dictates whether this regime is going to be successful moving forward. But right now, what it does after year two is it leaves you with doubt. Because Week Martindale certainly didn't think that they had that this setup that existed 
had any chance of succeeding. It's kind of why he pushed his way out, eventually got pushed out, however you want to phrase it. And apparently it seems like Mike Kafka and Thomas McGahee felt the same. So we'll see where the Giants go from here. In the meantime, there is one hire that was made. It's Carmen Brasillo offensive line coach, was with the Patriots last two years, was with the Raiders. The results are pretty good. Go look at their lines. I think they PFF had them finishing 10th the past two years. They were middle of the pack in uh, pass block win rate, run block win rate this past year, and doing it with a line that, quite frankly, isn't the most talented in the world. It's a pedestrian line. They got a really good left tackle, Colton Miller, which is essentially, you know, what the Giants have, a really good left tackle and a bunch of guys throughout the rest of the line. So if he could get mediocre results from the Giants with Andrew Thomas and a bunch of guys around him, I think as the Giants, you you take that right now. Now, I'm not going to say it's the perfect hire because I, look, I heard an unusual number of things questioning him as a coach. Now, I'm not going to sit here and slam this brand new coach that was just hired. But I will say it's something that we have to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, whether it be, you know, again, a lot of the same things that we saw with Brian Dable, like the players didn't love him in Las Vegas. Now, do we really care if he produces good results? No, but if you start losing guys, then it becomes a, a factor. So these are all things you want to keep in consideration. Now I'm sitting here from the outside looking and saying, well, do I, do you really care? Because the results were damn good. They were pretty good for what they had. The year he was the offensive line coach in New England, they were pretty good. McDaniels brought him with him. So I think it could be viewed as, and we could chalk it up to some of the things that I heard behind the scenes about Priscilla, is, hey, he was considered part, you know, he because he came with McDaniel, you know, extension of McDaniel. So people didn't like him and they're kind of crapping on him because of that. So I think you have to take that all into consideration. And the number one thing is, are you producing? And his lines have produced. So that's been their biggest hire so far. They bought, they, they, Giants also hired Joel Thomas who was the running backs coach of the New Orleans Saints. Sounded like he was going to be out there as they shook up their whole offense. He was a longtime running backs coach there. Uh, don't know much about Joel Thomas, but, yeah, he had Mark Ingram and Avin Kamara most of his career, so their running backs were pretty good. Okay. Uh, Giants also brought back Aaron Wellman, who was a very well-respected and people liked as the strength and conditioning coach. Got a different title this time, a little fluffier, but basically the same position. Now, the defensive coordinator candidates that are out there right now, in-house Jerome Henderson's getting an interview. Denard Wilson from the Ravens, Shane Bowen from the Titans, and Derek Ansley, who was the interim defensive coordinator after you know they made some firings in Los Angeles with the uh, Chargers. So that's there right now. I do expect Leslie Frazier to be part of that mix, but um, if, it's an if, 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 if he doesn't get a head coaching job. Now he's up for head coaching jobs. And the timing of that makes it tough as well. So these are all things we got to take into consideration here. The special teams coordinators. I do, by the way, first of all, Jerome Henderson interests me because A, he produces good results. Guys have always mentioned he's a good coach. They liked him as a coach. And that's the best way to keep some continuity. I'm not sure where Jerome Henderson would run. I'm not sure how similar the system would be, but the it gives them the best opportunity to keep some continuity, which I do think is kind of important here. Denard Wilson, also very intriguing, comes from Baltimore. That uh, was previously was with the Eagles, right? The Eagles secondary, which was awesome 
past couple of years turned into a total disaster this year without him. Now he comes from Baltimore where he's doing a good job in Baltimore. That to me is very intriguing. Shane Bowen, eh, up and down on him. Known for his work with uh, outside linebackers or pass rushers, edge rushers, I should say. And Derek Ansley, don't really know that much about. I do know he was at Alabama at one point with Joe Judge uh, during that time. But uh, that's about it on that end uh, with the coaching staff hires or uh, openings, at least for now. And with that, let's get to the next part. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Ah, uh, yes. It is time now for your favorite part of this podcast. We haven't done one in a while, but now I'm going to answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions with a giant after dark. All right, we're going through Instagram here. All Instagram questions. If you want to hit me up in the Instagram DM in the future, I try to bookmark them, get to them later. So some of these are from like really the past few weeks. Anyway, here we go. I believe it's a seven pack. Question number one from Julian Gomez. Uh, either way, with Kafka taking a head coaching interviews, could be a possibility of going elsewhere. What are your thoughts of Ken Dorsey coming in as OC to reunite with Dable? I imagine the playbook wouldn't change too much with them coming from Buffalo. Just wanted to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I haven't heard about Ken Dorsey much in this hiring cycle right now. So I definitely think it's a possibility, but I do think in a, that Shea Tierney, the Giants' current quarterback coach, might actually be next in line. Now, whether you could put Ken Dorsey in as the quarterback coach or whatever they do with titles, it could be a co or joint offensive coordinator. I do think that's a possibility, but so I I do think if Mike Kafka leaves. I would like the chances that Ken Dorsey actually does reunite with him. But let me say this. I feel pretty good about how it's going to be 
Brian Dable's offense this coming season, right? Meaning he's going to take control. His future's in his hands, right? This is his Coughlin moment. This is his, you know, put his you-know-what's on the table. Put the marbles on the table. This is his put the marbles on the table moment. If I'm going down, I'm going down with me calling plays, with me as basically the offensive coordinator, coordinator, and with me running my offense. So that's really the way I see it going, whether it's Ken Dorsey, Shea Tierney, Mike Kafka, whatever. I view it as, this is going to be Brian Dable's offense. Andrew Graff, question number two. Hey, Jordan, hope you're doing well. Question for Giants After Dark. Which position groups have a better success rate in free agency? Which ones would you target in free agency this offseason? Thanks for your time and work. That's a good question. I don't have the data on that. Obviously, it would take a lot of time and kind of time period. Are we we taking the data and from? I'm sure maybe they're better now at scouting certain positions than they were 15, 20 years ago. But here's the thing with free agency. You already have known quantities for the most part. It should be easier to have success. Now, I do think teams inherently overpay in free agency. That's just how the process works because there's the, there aren't great players available. So initially, good players get great player money, and then it creates expectations, and then do they live up to the expectations? But with the Giants, and this is why I think they should do it, and I know they haven't had a great deal of success with that, but that's because Dave Gettleman was in charge. You're talking about Patrick Omame. You're talking about uh, Nate Solder. Even Mark Lewinsky kind of wasn't really a good signing. Like, that hasn't really worked out. But I do think they need a right tackle. They need someone that they know can play right tackle, start at right tackle. To me, that's where their free agency has to start at. You cannot go into the season counting on Evan Neal to be your starting right tackle. You have to have a proven commodity at that position. The Giants need to find it, whether it be free agency, preferably, or a trade market. Somehow, get a right tackle. Move on from there. Brian Partington uh, says, hey, Jordan, big fan. Possible after dark question. Is there specific criteria for when a team can block an interview request? So here's the thing. A team can block an interview request anytime as long as a coach is under contract if it's not for a promotion. Now, the only thing that are cons- that's considered a promotion is if you're going from there's basically three levels. There's position coach. There's coordinator and there's head coach. So you can't do this phony title kind of thing, right? Like assistant head coach slash running backs coach. I don't believe that that counts. So unless it's a coordinator job, another coordinator job, or for a coordinator, they don't have to be going up to the head coaching level. You can basically block any of your coaches that are under contract. Like, So the thing with the Giants, you're asking this because the Giants asked a bunch of guys about the special teams coordinator job, and they were already special teams coordinators. They're still under contract with their cert, with their specific team. We're talking about uh, Ryan Ficken uh, in the Chargers, Chris Tabor with the Panthers, and there was one other as well. Basically, they're just taking lateral jobs because they're still under contract with those teams. So that's why the Giants got denied on those. And I asked somebody about it, like, why do you think the Giants keep getting denied on these? And it was specific to that position saying special teams coaches, when teams have good ones, they don't want to let them leave. So that's why they got denied on those, I believe. 
Next question, Nick Rose says, with Wink on, how likely do you think it is McKinney returns next year? Obviously, Xavier McKinney is talking about the Giants' safety. And I know I heard this out there that McKinney wouldn't have re-signed with the Giants if uh, Wink was there. I think, actually, it's the opposite. The Giants were going to re-sign McKinney if Wink was there. And you know what? I'm not even sure the Giants re-signed him now. Remember, they just completely shut down any negotiations before the season. They weren't willing to invest in him. That kind of raises a red flag for me. I do think the odds now rise because he had a good season. You don't want to let good players walk. Uh, but I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one. Uh, that's going to be a tough situation. So Mark Zerla kind of followed up on this, and he says, uh, with the holes in this lineup, I don't think the Giants should give up too much draft capital in regards to uh, trading up for a quarterback. My question is, does it make sense to tag McKinney and package him with some more draft capital, or is he too valuable as an asset long term? He's going to ask for a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts there. You lose value when you tag a guy. He needs to be signed long-term. I don't think that's a move for the Giants. They just need to either decide, do we want to re-sign Xavier McKinney? Do we want to franchise tag him? Do we want to let him walk at this point and we get a, a compensatory pick next year in return? Like That's the position they're in right now. I don't believe it's beneficial for them to tag him and then use him as part of a trade. I don't, I don't see that being the case, so... Um, they have to make a decision on McKinney. Do they think he's a good investment? Do they think he's worth investing in and committing to long-term? And uh, then sort of move on from there. Angelo says, hey, Jordan, so different perspective. So, a lot of O's. Different perspective in these articles from Pat L. and Paul S. It's Pat Leonard and Paul Schwartz he's talking about. Is it the truth? Is the truth somewhere in the middle as far as how Dave's is perceived? Uh, so, I'm not going to talk specifically about either of those because I don't. That's not my battle to fight, right? I don't want to really get too much into details. But I will say this: you know, with these kind of things, it's always a lot of the stuff that gets put out. There's he, there's his side, her, you know, her side, and then somewhere, you know, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And I think that generally is the case. A lot of times when we hear stuff that's out there, um, now in this case. Here's an example I'll give you. I had heard, this was weeks ago, that after the drama or tension between, or the the report, the Glazer report, that Brian Dable and Joe Shane were running around and trying feverishly to figure out who the leak was, right? That was their intention. Then you hear recently that, you know, Brian Dable went and tried to say, hey, if anyone has a problem with me, tell me what it is. You know, so I think the reality, the truth, is probably somewhere between the middle of that. They were f- trying to find out the leak, and they tried to get people to talk and say, if you had a problem, come talk to me. But it wasn't clear, clean and clear-cut either way. And so I don't think I could say definitively one way or another how that went down because I kind of heard both of it. And uh, that's, sometimes that's the thing. You're not really sure what exactly you should believe. That's why you keep track in your head, sort of, what people tell you, what in certain individuals tell you, and if they lie to you, necessarily in any way, shape, or form, take what they say as a fact moving forward. So that's, as a reporter, part of the job that you figure that out. John Fioto says, do you think cutting Waller is a real possibility? I think they save $40 million over the next three years if they do it. Yeah, that's not the way to look at it because you're not really saving $40 million straight if you cut him if you cut him now here's the deal this year the giants can save eight million dollars against the salary cap 
$12 million in cash if they get rid of him. So $8 million against the salary cap if they get rid of Darren Moore. Can they get a tight end as a receiving tight end as good as him for $8 million at this point? You have to make the decision. The only reason, the only way I see that being a no would be if you don't think he's going to play. And so they have to make a decision on his health. Can he stay healthy? Joe Shane already kind of put it out there. He made it seem like he was going to keep Darren Waller. But when I went back and looked at it, he did say the expectation is that he's going to be here. Well, remember, he said the expectation was that Wink was going to be back as well. So he worded that very carefully as well. Now, here's the thing with Darren Waller. It's nine. He had a $9.8 million base salary last year converted into a signing bonus, right? So that money was then spread out over the remaining years of the deal and the void year that Giants actually added to it. So they fully did that with the intention of having him back for at least one more year. That's the reason right now I think it's unlikely that they cut bait with him at this point. Between the money, there's dead money you're talking about. You're talking about $6.6 million in dead money, plus then having to find a way to replace him serviceably. Unless you want to put, you know, use a high asset in the draft, then you might just be worthwhile to keep him. And also, again, it's kind of like the Saquon Barkley situation. They have so many holes already on offense. Is it worth creating another one? The Giants are not in a terrible shape financially this offseason. They can kind of keep him and take that risk on Darren Waller, and I think they probably will, although I'm not 100% and it's not clear cut. Clear cut. All right, that's it for Giants After Dark. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we're going to wrap up here with a quick Jordan on the beat. This is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants. Work for ESPN or cover the NFL in general. And what I'm going to talk about here is something that, as a reporter, is a tricky one. It's basically source guessing. Okay, when you say, what do you mean by source guessing? It sounds nefarious. No, it's not. It's actually... Your job, and I had an editor that told me this one time, he said part of your job is to know who your competition sources are, at least, you know, generally have an idea or have a good guess of who your competition sources are. And so what that means is you're always looking around, and this is part of a reporter's job. You're always looking around at who's talking to who. You know, who has relationships where? Who has relationships to direct lines to the general manager? to the head coach, to the owner, to key pieces, you know, on the coaching staff. These are things you have to keep an eye on. So 
yeah, I have a pretty good guess at who Paul Schwartz is talking to, right, when he comes out with these stories. I have a pretty good guess who some of the Pat Leonard is talking to when he comes out with his story, who Dan Duggan is talking to when he comes out with his story, and vice versa. I think they have the same, they, they would say the same for me, probably. Like, you kind of get an idea. Now, it's uh, bad form to come out publicly and talk about people's sources. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you who I think Pat Leonard is talking to or Dan Duggan or Paul Schwartz or Art Sable or anybody else on the Giants. But in my head, I know it for sure. I, not, I, I shouldn't say I know it for sure. I have guesses for sure about who their sources are. And I'm pretty sure they have guesses on when I come out with stuff and report stuff, who I'm getting it from. Like that's how this business works. And I do think that it's necessary to do because you could see who you could build relationships with. You could see what's valuable. And as a young reporter, it's actually very important that you pay attention to these things. And I know a lot of people kill Pat Leonard. I will say this. Pat, who's a friend of mine, admittedly, his story definitely was not just Blink Farndale and his crew. He talks to a bunch of people, Pat, I'm telling you. I have, uh, like I said, I have my guesses on who contributed to that as well. And it's more than just the Wink Martindale crew, as some people try to minimize it and say. Really. I give him way more credit than that. So I will say that as we're sitting here and talking about uh, source identifying. Now, you also have to understand, this is just a general. Sources can come for anywhere. I don't think people realize how far and wide they are. You're talking about there's people in all kinds of roles in the building, Right from the equipment room, from the strength and conditioning room, from uh, security, from current coaches, former coaches, current players, former players, agents know a lot of things. Like You'd be surprised where some of these things come from, especially the initial like tip-off. could come from so many different places. And then you start, you know, somebody tells you something, and they heard it, you know, through you know, three different levels, but it gives you a, a start on, hey, this is going on. Let me go at, let me start going ask people. Then you ask people, start asking people about something. You know, the people that you trust, you start asking. People that are directly involved, you start asking. So that's generally, at least in my experience, how these things work. Random, random source. Even friends of players, friends of coaches, like you, you don't even know, like, Big time scoops have started that way before. So when people sit there, especially from the outside, when you don't understand how these things work and they're like, he's, you know, these are all Winks guys. It's Joe Shane directly telling him or, or Pat Allen, whatever it is. Like, I, I don't, I don't think generally it's that cut and dry and that simple. So that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. Uh, as always, like, subscribe, tell your friends, uh, keep sending questions. We're going to do a bunch of Giants After Darks here in the next few weeks. I'm always available on, it's not Twitter anymore, it's X, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, email, you know where to find me. I'm Jordan Ronan, you're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.